Hi, this is Jeff Richards, Columbus, Ohio. You're listening to Barbecue Central. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. And welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio. The barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host. Greg Rempe, happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening's live fire fun and frivolous show. If you want to jump in on the show this evening, here's how you do that. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at bbqcentralshow.com or on the Twitter and Instagrams at bbqcentralshow. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter coming up in about 13 minutes from now. It's the second Tuesday of a month. And leading off the first hour's interview portion, of course, is the creator of AmazingRibs.com, a Barbecue Hall of Famer and Barbecue Central Show guest Hall of Famer, Meathead, will be joining us once again. And tonight we will lead with the National Barbecue Association's annual conference, although it didn't take place annually for the previous two years prior to then a couple weeks ago or last week, or it was about this time last week, something along those lines. Recently, let's say it in that way, and Meathead took up arms and went on down to Fort Worth, Texas, and... Did whatever you do at NBBQA, and we'll get some feedback from him as far as the attendance of the convention and his thoughts on the organization, both currently and in the past. And if you weren't familiar or you're not following me socially, you didn't know the big handover and or acquisition that was also announced during that conference, which of course is NBBQA. I don't know if they sold or if Barbecue News acquired, bought. In any event, Cal Phelps, who runs the Barbecue News, that company has now assumed or purchased or acquired MBBQA, and it's not going to be running like it has been since it was founded years and years and years ago. However, we're not going to dive into all of that minutia. We will wait until next week when Cal Phelps will be joining us on the 19th and we'll get all the inside scoop from Cal. But from a visitor's and an attendee's perspective, we'll talk to Meathead about that and then whatever's left time-wise in his segment, we will talk about 
Easter that's coming up. And what do most people eat with heat uh, with Easter? Eat with Easter? Ham. Forget that. We're going to be talking about something that rhymes with ham, and it's delicious. Lamb. And you should be thinking about it. If you're not thinking about it, we might change your mind. We might drive you to give lamb a chance this coming Easter. But we'll see what you think after Meathead and I discuss it and make impassioned, impassioned pleas for you guys to consider lamb instead of ham. Now, if you're going to be doing prime rib like me, forget about it. Do the prime rib, no problem. I'll be doing it right with you, as I just mentioned. But otherwise, lamb, a positive choice, a positive alternative option. So we'll talk about it with Meathead 14 past, then 35 past the first hour. He is the barbecue contributing editor of Southern Living Magazine. He also writes the Q sheet, and he also has a new job that we will talk about when he rolls in, 35 past. That, of course, new friend and recurring guest of the show, Robert Moss from robertfmoss.com. Robert and I are going to be talking about a topic that we have perhaps danced around cursorily at least a million times over the last 16 years. It is one of many folks' favorite condiments. It's mayo, mayonnaise. Do you love mayo? Of course, those that love mayo also love brands. Sometimes those brands run nationally. Sometimes those brands run regionally. But there has to be a best mayonnaise, does there not? And of course, the one thing we know about Robert Moss, he is a researcher extraordinaire. He has been diligently digging down and running down all the mayo rabbit holes. So we'll be talking about, A, what the best mayo is, which could remain up for debate, even though we might have a definitive answer, which we not only expect but appreciate on this show specifically. And after we figure that out, whether we like it or not, we're going to be talking about what? Storage of mayonnaise, because I was listening to a podcast last week. That whole thing came up. There were some things that I was pretty shocked about hearing from somebody that's fairly well, not even fairly, one of the most well-respected live fire personalities out there and cooks, both competition and or otherwise. So we'll talk about proper storage of mayo and some other things. With Robert Moss. Then we'll close out the first hour right there. We'll move into the second hour and we will welcome in first time guest. He's the barbecue writer and a food writer for the San Antonio Express News. Chuck Blount will be joining us. You thought there was only one barbecue editor in Texas. Nay, Texas is almost as big as Ohio in size of state. So, you know, there's got to be more than one barbecue editor and coverer other than Daniel Vaughn at Texas Monthly. And Chuck Blount is one of those guys. So we'll learn all about Chuck and talk about how he got into food writing, specifically barbecuing and what he brings from a San Antonio Express News perspective that perhaps is different than Texas Monthly and how they might also be trying to press a Texas national barbecue agenda like Texas Monthly does. Closing out the show this evening, something that I have long talked about doing, really never gave it too much thought, 
and then realized over the weekend after I had had a discussion late last week with Len Aberman, co-host of the Baseball and Barbecue podcast, we're going to be doing a sound drops and sound effect origin segment. So the most popular sound bites, lead-ins, drops, you name it, we're going to cover all of them, the most popular ones, and I will be playing some video. You'll be hearing where these things were actually captured and isolated out of and now used on the show. It's going to be pretty awesome, and I think a lot of you will learn that perhaps you've been saying things wrong or using the wrong words, like you misspeak lyrics on songs. We're going to learn all about this stuff here as we close out the show here this evening. So there's your show here. Don't forget you can follow me socially, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, at BBQ Central Show. Live video feeds over on Facebook and Twitch, slash BBQ Central Show. Also on the YouTubes, slash RD Rempe. And you also have a live audio version over on the Clubhouse app as well. So let me start here tonight because I know the Centralites are getting into getting deals. And we all know rule number three of the show, which is what? If it's free, then it's me. And if we can't get that, we want some kind of a discount. Well, the good news is this. I mentioned the owner of SNS Grills sent me a kettle last week. And many of you out there asked if there was going to be some kind of accompanying discount code for fans of the show who also happen to be in the market for a kettle grill to use and save some coin. And the answer is yes. As of yesterday morning, if you go to this website, SNS, the letters, snsgrills.com, and you order one of the kettle packages, and if I'm not mistaken, there's like a standard package and then a deluxe package that might refer to uh, which slow and sear insert you're going to get, but you get one of the grill packages if you use code BBQ Central at checkout, you save 10% off the entire purchase price. But it has to be one of the grill kettle packages, if I didn't make that crystal clear enough. Both options, again, come with a slow and sear insert. So, once again, we thank David Parrish and the team over at SNS Grills. So go there, get a kettle grill package, save 10% when you use promo code BBQ Central. By the way, who's the first one to call me after I got that thing put together and cooked on it? Friend of show Sterling Ball talking about how much do you love the insert and that grill and it spins around. I love it. Yes, Sterling, you love it. I'm a, I'm a budding fan. I'm not going to lie. All right. I had shell reaction, too, that I didn't get to, but whatever. Smoking Joe's Pit, does it have to be one of the kettle grill packages? Yes, it sure does. Hey, while we're talking about Sterling, let me talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies, gets you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. From award-winning rubs and sauces to American-made grills and smoker, Big Papa Smokers has everything you need to be a better outdoor cook. The rubs, yes, 13 perfectly balanced flavors, no doubt about it. They also own Granny's Barbecue Sauce. So if you're looking for a new go-to sauce, that's something you're going to want to check out. And they're selling the cookers, the Mac 2 Star General Pellet Cooker. They're the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. If you're not a fan of pellet smokers, try the old Hickory Ace BP or... 
Just look at what they have, and if you have questions, call them 877-828-0727 or shop the website, bigpapasmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A smokers.com. We are back with Meathead from amazingribs.com. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, creators of automatic pit temperature control technology, sellers of ceramic cookers with built-in power draft fans, and accessories to make your barbecue and grilling life easier Visit bbqguru.com for more information or call them 800-288-GURU. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology, of course. As we wait for Meathead, because I was a little tardy in sending links here this evening, Tim in Oklahoma writing in, feeding back from last week's show. Greg, the past three months with Malcolm have been completely awesome getting a full instructional from someone who has impacted the barbecue world so much, has been a real gift to the rest of us backyard cooks. Thank you for doing all that you do, and thank you, Malcolm, for sharing all of your information with us and doing these shows. You don't need any reason to show your show is better than everything else out there, but this is just another reason. Regards, Tim. Tim, we thank you very much for writing into the show. Jeff in Mississippi writing in, Greg, did you really just have a guy on your show who makes a $200 pepper grinder and you endorsed it? Wow, must be nice living whatever kind of elitist life it is that you lead. Love the show. Regards, Jeff. Jeff? As I said a number of times before, during, and after that segment... Getting your head around a $200 pepper grinder might be a little hard for a lot of you. However, if you are a fan of grinding your own pepper, if you have become disenfranchised by the lackluster at best pepper grinders that are out there, the disposable ones that Cleve Oynas had mentioned from Pepper Cannon last week, or maybe you didn't even realize that there was that much of a better option available when it came to this particular thing that you would find on your table. Some of you use Malden finishing salts or other fancy schmancy salts that are way more than iodized Morton salt. But you don't scoff at that. But if you like pepper and you really like pepper and you realize or you're just now realizing a that your pepper grinder blows, or B, you didn't even realize your pepper grinder blew until you heard the segment last week 
And now you're in a conundrum of, am I really going to spend $200 on a pepper? Yes, you should. I'm not getting any money from it. I don't know Cleve. It was an interesting story. It was a tie back to a previous guest. All that stuff. But I have no benefit. He sent me one. That's my benefit. But if he sells a million from this show, I get $0.0 going forward. So, again, I say... With peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. If you don't want to spend $200 on a pepper grinder, don't do it. Continue to mire in mediocrity with your pestilence. But if you want to step outside the box, I would give it consideration. Or ask for it for Christmas. Maybe you got a birthday coming up this year. Whatever. Find a way to get out of laying out for it yourself. And find somebody else who has the 200 bucks. Or put it on them. Say, hey, I've been a really good guy or gal this year. And I deserve this. So lay out for the pepper grinder. And if not, save your thin guilders and invest in the pepper grinder down the road. And if you don't like pepper that much, don't even do it. Continue doing whatever it is you do with your pepper. You don't know what you're missing Ignorance is bliss. Jake in NoCal writing, Greg, I'm fairly new listener to the show, and I really enjoy your segments with Sam, the cooking guy. Just throwing it out here for public reaction. Have you and Sam ever talked about doing a podcast together? I would be your first subscriber. Love the show, and thanks for all the great info. Regards, Jake. Jake, yes. Have we talked about it? No. Is it a podcast that a lot of people said they wouldn't mind seeing happen? Yes. You're not the first one. It's kind of a recurring thing that happens after every time Sam's on, especially if you're new to the show. He says, hey, he, I mean, the newest fan says, I really like the kismet between you two. And the witty repartee. You guys should do a show together. Call it Central Sam Guy. Or Sam the Barbecue Central. Or something along these lines. But. While it's a great idea. I think it could potentially get legs. And go really big. Because we could cover a lot of different topics. Other than food. I have never sat Sam down and said. The people, because they're my people, which are far less than his people, are demanding that Sam and Greg do a podcast together. How can I make point of entry easy for you so we can get this thing off the ground? I haven't done that. Because, as I had mentioned, I think a handful of months before, whenever somebody else threw out this great idea the first time, and subsequently every other time that Sam's been on every month. Sam's very busy. He shoots for his show, which releases new episodes three times a week. He also travels. I believe next month's appearance, he's going to be doing it from out of the country. So where I am, Cleveland guy anchored almost wholly outside of sports traveling. Sam is a world traveler, literally. He does a lot of television. He does a lot of radio. People want him. He's a celebrity, of course, on the Internet. 
And he's also a celebrity uh, regionally where he's at there in San Diego in the greater San Diego area. Whatever that looks like, stretching down to points south as far as Tijuana, for crying out loud. Whole different country. So again, Jake, yes, it has been ballyhooed around by a number of the listeners. A lot of people think it would be great. I don't necessarily disagree, but I would never ask Sam to do it because I believe that while it's something that would start out quick and be very good, the ability to replicate and keep it consistent probably would run into trouble just through busy schedules and things like this. I'm not speaking for Sam. It's just something that I feel would probably, while it would would be great for however long the run would be, it would succumb to pod fade uh, fairly quickly, I would think. So that's where we'll leave it now. And uh, we thank Jake from NoCal, who might be a Sam the Cooking Guy fan, for writing in. And for those of you that are really keen on listening to the show, you might know something is afoot. What's that? For the first time, and I can't remember, no meathead. I'm not sure what the deal is. I now have to rifle up the text message. And send Meathead a note saying, hey, we're on. Send him the link. Typically, Tuesday evenings earlier, you would find Meathead and his bride taking in a movie, perhaps a quick dinner afterwards, and then racing back to the studio there in the Chicagoland area to jump on the air with me. But his time is now fleeting. At 10 minutes and 40 seconds left in this segment, don't forget, coming up after Meathead, and I'm using that with air quotes at this point because, as I had mentioned, time is running past Robert F. Moss. And then in the second hour, 1014, we will welcome in first-timer to the show, Chuck Blount, and talk about his background in food writing and, of course, specifically barbecue Texas-related and all that fun stuff. So you can stick around for Chuck in the second hour. Let's see who's listening here in the clubhouse here. Well, let's invite AJ Soldo up on stage and see if he's interested in doing one of those uh, games that we play here. We'll see if AJ takes the invite. Uh, Also, we might as well just invite to Neil and uh, John as well. So we'll see who bumps up real quick. We can play a quick game. John is going to go ahead and play here. Hey, John, how are you tonight? Good, Greg. How are you? I am fabulous, John. Appreciate you jumping in here with me and uh, playing a quick game. So while we get ready to pull up a game, which I'm going to have to search for real quick, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, long-time listener of the show. <clears throat> All a big fan. Um, I think you know I, I have my own podcast, Pit Life Barbecue. Yes, Johnny Mac, right? That's right. That's right. All right. Well, John, we 
certainly appreciate you joining in here tonight. So what we're going to be playing tonight, of course, the ever-popular cheese or font game. So best three out of five, I'm going to give you a name. You're going to tell me if it's a cheese or if it's a font, like something you would type in. Easy enough? I'll give it my best. All right, John, here we go. First one, John. See if we can't get a winner right off the bat. Tell me, is Big Fish a cheese or a font? I'm going to have to go with a font. Font. Now, no cheating on the Googles either. John, by the way, not saying that you are. (laughs) Lock you in for font. Is Big Fish a cheese or a font? John says font. He's right. Good for you. All right, so we have a little momentum going here. Second one. John, tell me right now. Is Leander a cheese or a font? I'm going to go with cheese. cheese. Final answer. Yep. And we'll lock you in. Is Leander a cheese or a font? John says font. Leander is a font. Oh, all right. Bit of a game going here. We'll go to the next one. All right, John, we got the last one wrong here, so we'll get back on the winning track, hopefully, on this one. Tell me, is Kavoon a cheese or a font? Kavoon. I'm going to roll with cheese again. All right. Final answer? Yes, sir. I'm going to lock him in. John says Kavoon is a cheese. Nope. Kavoon is a font. And now we have reached a pinnacle moment here in the show. You get another one wrong and that's going to be it so let's go ahead and try and get these next ones to win out i know you can do it john host of pit life barbecue out there in new hampshire believe it or not right above the two guys cigars.com smoke store there and podcast 21 studio i think i said that right here we go tell me john is dan boo a cheese or a font Dan Boo? Dan Boo. B-O. Hmm. I'm going to roll with cheese again. I got to get one of these right. All right. Go with cheese. We'll lock you in for a final answer here, John. Oof. Very nervous. Dan Boo. Cheese? Yes. Wow. (laughs) Well, much like... Uh, playing the What Does Sam Like Best show, it has made it to question number five. It's make or break. For all the marbles here, John, for a prize I have yet to determine, but it is going to be substantially mediocre in price. There's no question about that. John, tell me, is Ritter like the actor? Ritter, a cheese or font? Ooh, Ritter, 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 Ritter. Oh, man. The wheels are a turn. 
Ritter. I'm going to roll with the cheese again. No, right. Why not? Final answer? Yes. Well, we've come to the most dramatic stage in any game show, which is getting right down to the last question, taking it all the way to the end for prize unknown, price unknown. For all the marbles, is Ritter a cheese? Yes! Unbelievable! John has done it. Congratulations, John. You have won the ever-popular game that has already swept the nation three times in its life. Cheese or font, you've done it. So all you need to do is send me your shipping info, and I will send you out a live-fire-related prize of a value. And we'll send it right along to you. Uh, I hope to get it out by Friday, but don't bust my balls if it's not until next week already, okay? I'm a very patient man, Greg. John, I appreciate it, and continued success with your show, my friend. Thank you, sir. You got it. There he is, John, right there. He's the host of the Pit Life Barbecue Podcast over there on the uh, United Podcast Network, Studio 21. So check them out. If you're into the barbecue podcast scene, of course, all of you are. And from all of us here at Cheese or Font, we bid you an adieu. All right. Well, congratulations to John right there. Good job. You did it. Again, John, that email is greg at the bbqcentralshow.com. And we'll go ahead and send out that prize. Uh, Include the shipping address. If you haven't done that already, and I got a pretty big prize closet these days. So if you're amenable to letting me choose a really cool prize, maybe it'll be a book. I have a lot of books. I mean, it's uh, well known that I don't read. People send me books all the time. I'm like, yeah, send them along. Fine. No problem. I'm never going to read it. Although... In order to live in hypocrisy, which is what I strive to do 100% of the time, I am actually currently reading a book. (laughs) Believe it or not. I heard about it on the uh, Cigar Authority podcast. It was in a back episode uh, any handful of months ago. And it's, I'm not going to say the book is tricky in title because it is specifically talking about the title. The name of the book is called Cigar Bliss. Now, the guy that wrote it is a uh, expert in cigars. I think he made cigars at some point. He made his big money in making cigar molds, plastic cigar molds. But the book, why I found an interest and why I'm working on having this guy on my show at some point down the road, is he has made this kit a palette. Uh, it's called palette pro i think and it comes with a host of different uh flavors and uh, sensory notes and bottles so you would unscrew it sniff it and go oh that's lemon and then the next one uh, unscrew it, sniff it oh that's leather uh, all things to help build and refine your palate and calibrate your palate and i said hey they're talking about it in terms of cigars you uh, light a cigar you take your first couple puffs Maybe there's a, a bready note. You have some earth, maybe some barnyard, some fresh hay. Maybe there's leather, dark chocolate, whatever. 
And I'm thinking, not only can you use this uh, pallet system that this guy has developed, why wouldn't you be able to talk about using this with calibrating and training your pallet as it comes to food and barbecue and culinary in general? So I've reached out to the author and uh, he's digging back through a bunch of the show archives just to see fit-wise. I assured him we're the most downloaded barbecue podcast ever, and don't worry about it. Trust me. And he said, you should uh, read my book. And I you know, immediately want to tell him, look, pal, there's 0% chance that I'm going to read a book because I don't do that. However, putting pride aside and my utter lack of being able to read aside... I am now at least 67%, according to the Kindle, that I threw that book. And it's pretty intense, uh, very cigar-driven, obviously, hence the title. I am a newfound lover of uh, and appreciator of cigars. But I'm looking at it more of just a general palate learning supplement for me. And then I might get the, the kit, too. Why not? Why not have it around? All right. Well, look at me. I got through that whole goddamn segment all on my own. And John. Appreciate you, John, for stopping in and killing a few minutes with me. Not sure what happened to Meathead. Uh, Hopefully he's not expired. I'll check on that and pass along an update. But I do know that Dr. Robert Moss is in the green room. So we'll have a Mayo talk when we're done. Hey, what do we know? Having a dad bod is cool. No, it's not. Take it from a stud like me. There's nothing sexy about wearing your gluttony everywhere you go, not to mention being overweight increases the risk of all causes of mortality, including strokes, most cancers, coronary artery disease, sleep, apnea. The list literally goes on. Making the decision to change decades-old food habits can mean the difference between you attaining your health goals versus dealing with unknown health challenges that you and your family will have to face down the road. Luckily, my pal and friend of show, backyard barbecue enthusiast and men's health and wellness coach David McDowell says you can eat barbecue all year round and still lose the fat. With David, you've got assistance around the clock. He's just a text message, an iMessage, or a WhatsApp message away. He's able to do FaceTime, Zoom, WhatsApp, video chat, whatever you need in order to help, even on short notice. Now, where some health coaches like this are doing things for $500 a month, for what? A canned diet plan and one to two check-ins per month? Forget it. Partnering with David allows you access to a resource who's available effectively 24-7. Now, are you going to be paying uh, $500 a month or $400 a month or $200 a month? No, 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 no. Uh, Yeah, $200 a month. That's right. That's all you have to pay every month. Finally, permanently get into the health that you want. Get fit. Get trim. Learn a new healthy eating lifestyle, not a diet, a lifestyle, something you want to do every day from here on out. Don't wait. David's personal guarantee to you, if you're honest and you make the effort, you'll succeed in losing fat. And if you don't, he'll refund 100% of your investment, 200 bucks a month. If you don't think he knows what he's talking about, A, look at his bod in in a good way. And then follow him on Instagram, Earl's Cookout. This dude is cooking... Real-ass barbecue live-fire meat. So he's not lying here. This is no trap. Go to davidleans.com slash bbq and sign up. That's davidleans.com slash bbq and sign up. 
200 bucks a month. What do you got to lose? We're back with Robert Moss right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. Welcome back. This portion of the show is being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to see what other products they have to make your life a little bit more smoky on the flavor side. CookinPellets.com. My next guest, the contributing barbecue editor for Southern Living Magazine, also authors the Q Sheet, which is his semi-monthly, once-monthly, whenever he feels like a barbecue newsletter. He is also a monthly guest here on this show in the 935 segment. Let's race to the hotline and welcome back friend of show, Robert Moss. Hey, Robert. Hey, Greg. How's it going? Is Meathead dead? Have you heard any breaking news I, that we should be I passing have, along? I have no, no breaking news, so right. I can only assume he's probably got tied up somewhere, well, unavoidably. I don't know what could we'll, possibly we'll be more important than this, but my ego is very <laughs> fragile. We won't talk about it any further. Before we get into the... I was trying to think of some stupid pun that's not going to work out, but before we talk about the main points that we were going to be discussing this evening, you have a new position, and for those... In the Charleston, South Carolina area, you might see Robert as the new restaurant critic for the Post Courier. So tell us a little bit about that position and what people can expect if they're reading. Yeah, that's right. So because I, I had nothing else to do. So I signed on with the Post and Courier, which is the daily newspaper here in, in Charleston, to be their restaurant critic. And um, I've actually done a lot of restaurant reviewing over the years, though so it's been a it's been a little while, had a little hiatus. And the Post and Courier, um, the you know, the newspaper, they stopped, like like most newspapers, they stopped re- reviewing restaurants back in, in the, right, right after the uh, the pandemic. And we all felt like it was about time and to come back on board. So I've signed up and we'll see how often it's about once every other week um, I'm, I'm doing reviews. My first one's already already been posted and I actually submitted my second one um, uh, yesterday. And so it's been great to get back out here in Charleston and eat, eat a lot. And it gets me out eating things that aren't necessarily barbecue, which is a, a nice change of pace. It really gets me back into the Charleston scene. And there really is a remarkable restaurant scene here. So it's an exciting gig. And uh, I think it's I think everybody's ready to get back out to restaurants and the, to read restaurant reviews, reviews as well. So I have a lot of questions about restaurant critics. I happen to be, I don't know if I would say great friends with the well-known Cleveland restaurant critic around these parts, Doug Tratner from Cleveland Scene. Mm -hmm. When there's a a live fire activity, typically he asks me to join along, give my two cents. And he's got a a mindset as far as how he goes into restaurants. It's always going at least two or three times before he gives an evaluation to give it a fair shake. Maybe somebody was off, somebody was out sick, what have you. But uh, I've always asked him because as I was reading his articles and we've been to some Look, no surprise. You go to a lot. There's a lot of barbecue places here in Cleveland, but guess what? A lot of them suck. And in the review, he's not telling you to race out there and eat it, but he's not saying avoid it like a house fire. And uh, to me, and maybe it's just my brutal sense of honesty, I would say if I'm writing it, I would I would tell people, look, it, it doesn't measure up to any of the criteria that I would have as 
what I would consider to be a good barbecue restaurant. So I can't possibly in good conscience recommend this to you. He always ends it with like, uh, give it a try and see what you think. So what are your thoughts on <laughs> your review? Like, what's your style? Yeah, well, I think it, it sounds like he's being nice, um, which I think is important. I think the one thing after I've, it's it's real tempting when you first start writing things to like come out like a, you know, you know, with, with double barrel and just really try to do a Pete Wells like takedown, like you know, Pete Wells is famous uh, review of, uh, of Guy Fieri's Times Square restaurant. And it's, it's tempting to do that. And it's sort of fun to lay on. But you realize a little bit later that a, um, you, you know, this is this is somebody's livelihood that you're talking about. You know, it's it's a restaurant that they've poured their their heart and soul into and probably working, you know, 80 hours a week or more to try to, to try to get off the ground. So it doesn't, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be, I think, temperate about that. And it doesn't look good necessarily to, to punch down per se. It's one thing to make fun of a, you know, celebrity chef or someone who has opened a restaurant. It's another thing to just, you know, to take, you know, to, to take the, take the guns out and, and pour them at someone who's really, you know, not meaning anybody any harm. Maybe they just aren't very good. They don't have a great restaurant, but maybe it's okay. So I, I can see that yeah, he's trying to walk the balance. I try to, to um, you know, more than anything, I, I try to do two things. I mean, the, the one way to approach restaurant reviews is to think of it as like consumer reports, which is I'm telling you where to go spend your dollar. Um, but I, I feel like that's less the purpose of, of restaurant criticism, especially these days when it's very easy to, to, to find out about restaurants and learn about them online. I think it's much more important to sort of talk about restaurants and put them in context and talk about how they fit into, you know, what's evolving on the scene, how what the chef is there is doing might be interesting or, or not, or not interesting, you know, to have really the, the context around it. So rather than just going in and doing the thumbs up, thumbs, thumbs down kind of review, I think it's more important to, to really try to be thoughtful about the food and, and talk about it and talk about how it fits into everything else that's going around, going, or going on in the, the restaurant world these days. From a critic's standpoint, Robert, do you find that it is incumbent upon you to continually refine, train, and expand your palate? So as you are touring Charleston, and as you said, it's gotten a very eclectic food scene. You have barbecue, you have seafood, you have a number of other items that you're well-versed in all the different fares, so you are able to judge it fairly and appropriately. Yeah, I think, and I think it's less about I think of it less as like being a, a wine critic where you're taking a sip and you're talking about all the fine nuances of the flavors because there's so much happening in the restaurant world these days and certainly in Charleston. And just in the time that you know, I started reviewing restaurants, I think back around 2007, 2008 um, with some, some other publications. And uh, this the restaurant scene here has changed so dramatically in 10 years. I mean, th there are just entire cuisines here now that w w I'd never even experienced 10 years ago. So a lot of it is about keeping up with sort of like the, not just what's happening in Charleston, but sort of the, the global the global scene and what's going on there. Um, I actually just finished re reviewing, the one I submitted yesterday was for a uh, Spanish slash Portuguese style restaurant. And there's actually three, I think, Spanish tapas style restaurants within a couple mm. blocks of this one spot, which is something that 10 years ago, I don't think there was a single tapas restaurant, at least not one that was in any way, you know, all, any way following the traditions of Spain. So a lot of it's about just trying to keep up with all the, the global cuisines and everything that's going on and trying to you know, stay ahead of the game to at least understand what the, the context is for everything that, that people are serving. Check out Robert Moss writing for the Post and Courier as their new restaurant, Quiddick, uh, coming up here very shortly. 
So we'll look forward to that. Now, uh, let's go ahead and move on to some Mayo talk here, Robert. I was listening to Malcolm Reeb's podcast last week, and during the episode, the talk of mayonnaise came up, and so I thought I would start off tonight talking a little bit about it. You know, I had no idea that mayo was such a divisive topic, but it is. So I ask you, yep. what is the best brand of mayo and why? <laughs> well, actually, we had a brief email exchange about this. And I said, there's no question, right? There, there's only one brand of, of mayo. And then I stopped and realized, wait a second, I'm from South Carolina. So if you're from South Carolina, there may only be one brand of mayo. Or if you're sort of in the, the hipster food seed, there is. But I realized that the world is larger than South Carolina, uh, and there are other other brands of, of mayo out there. Um, before we get to that, though, I think one interesting thing about mayo is it's super divisive, just as a condiment itself, whether you like it or not. I've no, I you know, I think you know, no one feels that strongly about mustard. They like different kinds of mustards and things. You know, you get some hot dog fanatics who will you know throw a knife at you if you try to put ketchup on a hot dog. But by and, by and large, I think mayo is one, is a super divisive con, uh, condiment. Some people love it and think no, no sandwiches right without it. And others will, you know, call it devil's vomit and other, other <laughs> such things. So if we put those people aside, the ones who, who, who have absolutely no tolerance for mayo, um, I think it's also re- remarkable how, how much brand loyalty there is. So when you asked me that question, I said, of course, you know, Duke's mayonnaise is the, uh, the, uh, you know, the only mayonnaise, right? What what else would you, you use? But then I realized um, Duke's is not only from South Carolina. It was invented in Greenville, South Carolina, which is where I, I grew up, so so my hometown. Um, but Duke's is one of those interesting things that has sort of gotten like Waffle House and Krispy Kreme donuts. They sort of gotten latched onto as this sort of iconic Southern condiment for some reason. So people become very passionate, and it it it's, it it ceases to be about your taste in mayonnaise. I think it's something about your identity. Mm-hmm. Are you a good Southerner? Then of course you have to use Dukes and you can't use those terrible brands. We won't mention from, from other places. It's funny because Dukes Mayo has landed for a number of years right here in the rock and roll hall of fame city. I've been able to get Dukes for as long as I can remember looking for brands of mayonnaise. When I grew up, Hellman's was it. I didn't know there was any yep. other uh, brand of mayonnaise except for the craft one that always looked a little bit more fake and cheap. So uh, never got that. And then once I started getting out on my own and Dukes was available, I became more brand loyal to that. But uh, maybe I'm a little different where, as you said, people are staunch for their brand and uh, stump for their brand to no end. As long as it's a good mayo, uh, I will take a Dukes. If I could get a blue plate, I'd take some of that. Uh, Hellman's is just fine for me. And uh, I'm also a huge fan, thanks to Sam the Cooking Guy, who pushes it a lot on his cooking shows of the Kewpie mayo, or as he calls it sometimes, the Japanese-based mayo, which I think has more yolk to it or or more of a a richness. So I'm an overall mayo fan. Is the preference of one brand or another due specifically to regionality or... Where are you specifically are located, do you think, then? I think it's hard to separate the two. So certainly if you grew up in, in South Carolina like I did, that was sort of the, the brand of choice that, that was on the table. There are, however, some some real differences between them. I think the big difference with, with, with Dukes, for instance, and uh, Hellman's or something else like that is that Dukes, a couple of different things. One, Dukes has, uh, they, they, they use, I think, just egg yolks, not, not the whole egg whereas Hellman's will have egg, egg white. So it's a little bit different texture, consistency. But the big difference is there's no sugar at all 
in in uh, Dukes, whereas Hellman's and you know uh, Kraft and those others do have a good dose of sugar in them. I think um, I'm not sure how much that that matters if you're spreading it on a, a sandwich per se, but if you're using it as an ingredient, and here in the South, <laughs> mayo is like sort of the classic ingredient for pimento cheese, deviled eggs, casseroles of every type. You know, it starts off with a quarter cup of, of mayonnaise. Uh, I think not having that sugar in it makes it a, a little bit, you know, well, it lets you control the sweetness of things in a way that you 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 wouldn't if you if you use Hellman's or something else. Mayo on bread for grilled cheese versus butter, yes or no? Um, I never would put mayo on a grilled cheese sandwich. I mean, and yeah, when you say butter, which, so you which butter side of the you bread butter you the outside of the bread, right? So take away the butter, That's put correct. mayo on it, and then make grilled cheese that way. You ever done that? And and when you say gr- when you say grilled cheese, how how are you grilling it? Um, in a griddle toaster it, right? in a pan. Oh, in a okay, pan. Yeah. What are you talking so, about? Who? Do, yeah. Somebody well, does it know, in a toaster? Can, you, <laughs> <laughs> it's wow. called a toasted cheese sandwich. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't know how you people do it in Cleveland. So I had to. I, I don't to know down, one but. goddamn person that makes a toasted cheese sandwich in a toaster ever. Does that really happen? It happens. Probably in Britain. You know, places <laughs> like that. But oh, wow! You've but just I, blown no, my mind. When I do when I do grilled cheese. It's it's very simple. It's spread. You know, butter on either side of the bread, slice of American cheese, preferably, or, or two in, or inside, three. and then griddle it up, or three, yeah. um, and, and and off you go. I've never, do, do people actually spread mayo on the outside of the sandwich? Yeah, I do it I all the it time. I work, but uh, oh, I've yeah. never done it. Uh, okay. So tomorrow, when you're going to make your normal grilled cheese sandwich, instead of the butter, do a light layer on either side, just like you do the butter, put it on. I guarantee... You will have a better browning on the outside of your grilled cheese sandwich than you've ever achieved with butter. Give, keep it an open mind. And, it seems and, like it would work. I mean, it's mostly oil and, yes, and egg, so why right. would it not work? You and know? It, while you might fear that you're going to get some overwhelming mayo flavor to it, uh, I would say a hint is going to be too much as far as what you would find. I, I doubt it, you would find anything. So uh, give it a try. Okay. Let me know what you think next month when you're on. I will give it a on. try. I'll, I'll, I'll report back uh, on the results. Do we agree that any mayo, regardless of brand, is better than Miracle Whip? I would agree with you on that one. And then I we're will right. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember the first time I had Miracle Whip. I was, I was a little older, probably high school or later, and it just seemed so weird. It was so sweet and bizarre. Um, and of course, it's not a mayo. You know, I can't call it a mayo. It's a it's a dressing, salad dressing. Uh, and, I think they even say it. Yeah, a salad dressing, and and you know the the ingredient. You know, one, sugar. If you look at the list of ingredients, is actually way way high up on the on the list. Uh, and I think actually, I, I went and looked up before the show. The number one ingredient, the number one ingredient in like both Hellman's and and Duke's is soybean oil because basically it's an oil. Uh, you know, emulsion. But the number one ingredient in uh, Miracle Whip is water. <laughs> so it's water with a bunch of stuff in it, oil second, but then there's a lot of high fructose corn, corn syrup and there's starch and other things to flush it out. So it's it's sort of a a, a faux mayonnaise. What I thought was interesting, um, <laughs> do you know Carrie Bringle of Peg Leg Porker yes. in Nashville, the, yeah. the owner there? So he and I had the uh, the good fortune of, of both appearing in a pimento cheese documentary. Uh, a while back uh, called Pimento Cheese, Please. So we now both consider, pride ourselves as being sort of, you know, internationally acclaimed pimento cheese experts. But we have very, very different tastes, takes on pimento cheese. Mine is, you know, obviously made with Dukes. 
um, his is Miracle Whip, and he he's very defensive about that hmm. and a, about the fact that uh, his you know his family always made a Miracle Whip, and he sort of takes it down to like, well, you know, you you fancy pants Mayo boys you know, could, be, could afford <laughs> expensive stuff, but you know, us regular folks, we had to make do with Miracle Whip. So I, I was actually thinking about that in preparation for the show. So I looked it up. Uh, I got the try to get the, you know it's a facts based approach here, and it's true that Hellman's Mayo. I went to Walmart.com to try to you know to to, to be you know to try to get the lowest lowest price yeah. possible. Uh, it's fair that Hellman's for a thirty ounce uh, jar is slightly more expensive. A Hellman's is I think four eighty nine for a thirty ounce jar. Whereas Miracle Whip is four forty nine currently mm. retail for a thirty ounce jar, Duke's however three dollars and fifty cents for a thirty two ounce jar. They don't do a thirty. 30 Look at ounce us, jar. so winning it every time. I, 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 that's right. So, so peg leg, um, we uh, we economical folks are re- reaching for the Dukes because we really can't afford that that fancy Miracle Whip stuff. That's right, and we like the flavor of real mayonnaise. Uh, my dad is uh, one of a total of three boys. Uh, he's the youngest and the middle son. My uncle Tom, I guess, had a uh, infatuation, if you will, of Miracle Whip, and I never really tasted it. And then finally, I got a taste, and I was like, "Well, no wonder we only invite him around the house uh, one time a year because he likes that Miracle Whip. It's horrible. Forget it." Uh, during the How to Barbecue Right podcast, as I was referencing, the pondering of proper storage of mayo came up, and uh, both Malcolm and Rochelle thought. You could both refrigerate it or leave it out. And aside from being cold, nothing would be better or worse. Examples given were mayo packets at various restaurants and eateries, or mayo just sits out on the grocery store shelves waiting for you to buy it. So a long way to go to ask if there's a definitive, proper way of storing mayo. Yeah. Well, I'll start by saying I'm not a food scientist or nutritionist or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, my, my PhD is in English, so I can write you a nice poem about mayo. But, but so take this for, for what, it, what it's worth. But, um, yeah, yeah, definitely it's shelf stable. They store it on the shelves. It's in the packets, you know, but the question I think is really once it's opened and mm. exposed to air, you know, is bacteria getting in there? Are you opening up this sea of salmonella, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I don't have the definitive answer for it. I, I do know this, though, that I, I think a lot of our food uh, sort of phobias and aversions are not necessarily founded in science. Yeah, I take butter, for instance. Um, I don't know, Greg, do you, leave, do you leave your butter in the fridge or out on the counter? Out on the counter. Me too. And, uh, you know, some people see that and they just sort of freak out and say, it's been out there for days. You know, it's, it's fine. It's, 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 it's not going to go bad. And I think Mayo is probably, from what I can tell, you know, there, there, there's a number of scientific papers out there that have studied this effect uh, and, and basically have concluded that, yeah, especially commercial mayonnaise, if you're making it yourself with eggs and you're not using any preservatives or anything, maybe it's different. But there's such a high acid content. All of them have some sort of EDTA or some sort of preservative in it. From everything I can tell, there's no problem with keeping it out on the on the counter. It's, it's certainly if you leave it out overnight because you're making burgers or sandwiches and forget to put it away, it's absolutely fine. Um, would be would, would be my take, and certainly I, that's that's been my sort of practical experience. So, you know, again, don't, don't sue me if you you know leave your mayonnaise out and get salmonella. But I think by and large, you know, from what I can tell, it's pretty safe to do so. All right, so that puts a wrap on the Mayo talk. we got about a minute left, Robert. Uh, I know you're on the Barbecue Hall of Fame uh, yep. names committee again, and uh, the 18th of April is a important date, which is six days away. Why is that? 
Yep, that's this coming Monday. That is the cutoff, the deadline for submitting nominations for the Barbecue Hall of Fame. Um, the, the Hall of Fame, the sort of way it works is uh, it's open. You know, anybody in the world who goes to the website can nominate someone they they think is worthy of induction into the Hall of Fame. Um, the you know, it's a simple form you fill out, sort of just explaining who the person is and why they're important. And then that goes in. I'm on the committee that sort of takes all those nominations into the funnel and then we'll narrow them down. I think it's, I think we'll be narrowing them down to nine uh, finalists this year. And then they get voted on by the um, the entire voting committee, which sort of like the Major League Baseball is <laughs> composed of all the past inductees into the uh, Barbecue Hall of Fame, as well as with the the committee and, and others. So um, we we're sort of at interview cycle. People who've been nominated will stay in the mix for three years uh, without having to be renominated before they they cycle out. But because sort of the nature of it, we had a, a big push push about three years ago. We're having a lot of people ease out. So it's a mm-hmm. good good time. We're really looking for people to step up and say, okay. You know, barbecue has changed a lot in the past couple of years. Who who's worthy? Who should we consider? And and who who's uh, should be on the slate this year for for consideration for the Hall of Fame? So please go out to the uh, AmericanRoyal.com and and the uh, Barbecue Hall of Fame site and and sign up for your uh, or, or submit your nominations that you want us to consider. We are talking with Robert Moss. He is a week. I'm sorry, a monthly guest. Second Tuesday of every month, thirty five past the first hour. Go to RobertFMoss.com. Sign up for the Q sheet. Robert's weekly barbecue newsletter. It's free, delivered right to your inbox every Sunday afternoon when it's actually authored and sent out that Sunday afternoon. Well, actually, it's not, yeah, it, it was originally weekly back <laughs> during the pandemic. I've gotten busy, so now I call it semi-monthly, which yeah. means twice a month. And, and you've, you've might not noticed it yet. It is actually queued up in, my, uh, in, in, in the little mail app, and I have a couple of edits from my editor, who I have to be married to, and it will go out as soon as I finish the show tonight. All and right. uh, which will get at least the first April issue will be out and I'll do another before the end of the month. Robert, always appreciate the time. We'll look for you again next month. Yep. Thanks so much, Greg. Appreciate you got it. it. There he is. Robert Moss right there. We just talked about Mayo a lot and it was interesting. I knew it. Robert Moss, a great guest, a professional and researched, well-researched. Let me talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills. Some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. A choice line, a prime line, only sold through dealers. Find a dealer near you. GreenMountainGrills.com. Find accessories and pellets and sauces and rubs at the website, GreenMountainGrills.com, or at a dealer. It's a no-lose situation. If you want tech, get the prime line. If you want to save a couple bucks, get the choice. GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. We're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. Be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. And this portion brought to you by Fireboard. Monitored up to six different temperatures simultaneously through Wi-Fi or Bluetooth connections. Smart speaker accepted. Fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. That's 816-945-2232. Three, two. All right. See if we can do it right here. We are wrapping up the first hour. We thank Robert Moss, and I'm not sure exactly what happened to Meathead. No update yet, but hopefully we'll make sure he's still living, and then we can make fun of him at the top of the second hour, top of the first hour, all next Tuesday. Refresh your libations. We're heading to the second hour. Stick around. We'll be right back.